Hey guys, as promised, I'll be keeping all episodes under 20 to 30 minutes, and this episode went a little bit long, as they often do, so please tune in tomorrow for the next part of the show. Now enjoy part one of this interview. Hey there, podcast fan. Are you ready to experience the amazing benefits of having an authority business and personal brand? If you are, it's time to say goodbye to unpredictable leads, uncertain sales, and chasing customers for less than spectacular profits. And say hello to masses of web traffic, tons of high-quality leads, predictable sales, and enough profits to grow the business and enjoy the lifestyle you desire. Welcome back to the authority. Authority Marketing Podcast. Now, over to Josh Denning, the authority marketing guy himself, to lead the way. Josh Denning, back again with another episode here on the mission to help you achieve freedom through business. And we are very lucky to have two growth hacking experts with us today. Um, We've got, obviously, Mark uh, Hayes and uh, Jeff Goldenberg with us. Now, um, just Mark is obviously he's the founder of a full-service digital marketing agency, Tiger Tiger. Previously, he was also uh, founded one of the world's first growth hacking agencies, and he's also the author or co-author with, uh, with, with Jeff of a new book, which is the Growth Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy, but he's also authored the Ultimate Growth Hacking Source Book and has been mentioned in Wired, UK, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and lives in Auckland, New Zealand. Now, uh, our man Jeff is the co-founder of Hackology Consulting, a digital marketing consultancy focused on growth hacking and business development for early stage high growth companies. He's an entrepreneur and residence at Mars Discovery District, as well as a mentor for the Google Next and Lean Arts Accelerators. He's also a uh, professor or part-time professor of digital marketing at uh, Seneca College, and he's the co-author, as just mentioned before, of the upcoming book on growth hacking for technical marketers, The Growth Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, He also graduated from MIT's Entrepreneurial Master's Program and holds an MBA in Entrepreneurship and Marketing from York University. Lives in Toronto, Canada with his wife, Sage, and son, Jackson, and has recently taken an awesome position um, as the head of growth for Borrowell, a marketplace lending platform in Canada. So definitely got some serious experts on our hands here about to have an awesome show. And with that, guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much it's, for having us. It's a pleasure definitely to have you. So, um, Jeff, we'd like to hear, I guess, from yourself first, just, you know, uh, I guess the, the journey you've been on to um, that's led us up to today and kind of what you're doing now. Sure. And thanks again for having us on. We really appreciate um, talking with you and your audience. Um, so I've been a startup entrepreneur for most of my career, going on 15 years, um, the end of the dot-com bubble through to today. And um, a couple of years ago, I guess, um, I started looking at growth hacking more seriously in terms of um, how do we combine technology and good creative and storytelling and data to produce a result that allows us to compete against competitors who have much deeper pockets than we do. Um, because a lot of the startups that I've started have been bootstrapped. You know, some have been venture financed as well. But in those bootstrapping opportunities, how do we compete with the Amazons of the world that we can't, you know, compete through traditional methods? And sort of that's why I've been interested in growth hacking. And as, you know, as I 
researched and taught myself the tools and the methodologies, I realized it was a lot easier than I thought. And that was sort of one of the genesis for the, for the book, which is trying to um, bring growth hacking to non-technical marketers around the world. Yeah, super cool. Very, very valuable. And yeah, awesome. Really looking forward to hearing more about that. And uh, so Mark, uh, yourself, you obviously, you've, uh, you've founded an agency, you've done some amazing stuff around growth hacking as well. What's your journey been like? And uh, what are you up to now? So obviously, similar to, similar to Jim in some regards in that, you know, got bitten by the entrepreneur bug a couple of years ago, probably a bit more than that. But um, obviously, then sort of, got introduced to growth hacking and, and from a friend who was like, you know, hey, this is this new form of marketing that's that's come out and it's much more focused on analytics and, and the creativity and, and all this new fun stuff that I just sat down and actually just ended up consuming every everything I could find about it. Um, and that sort of led to me founding my first agency, which very quickly got acquired by another digital agency. Um, so at that time, I think we were like either second or third to launch globally as far as a growth hacking agency was concerned. Um, and then sort of in March last year, I ended up leaving that to go found Tiger Tiger. Um, and to sort of give you an idea of the, the growth that we've gone through, I've just hired three new people in the last seven days. Um, so we went from pretty much running out of my bedroom to actually having an office and employees um, which is, you know, it's a huge sort of turnaround to go from basically just basically being self-employed to like, going like I'm actually responsible for these people. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. That's yeah. Awesome stuff. So, um, just around getting acquired, I mean, your, your, your previous business that was acquired was, was that because it was one of the very early like growth hacking agencies or, you know, what were the reasons there behind that? I I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I think it was a combination of another digital agency wanting to get into that space and feeling that it was easier to buy someone and take what they've done in order to actually leverage them into that space. Um, I think it was actually acquiring someone that had that sort of that skill set so they could actually just get the ground running. And I think, you know, like you were saying, it's right. At that time, we were so new. Um, it was kind of funny though, because when I look around today, I'm noticing that there are a lot of growth hacking agencies that have popped up a lot more than when I, when I first launched. Um, I think when I first launched, there was like three or four of us. And now I think when I looked around the other day, there was something like 20 or 25, which goes to show how many like have actually launched in the last year or so. Is there a, a lot of differences like from a, a, a growth hacking agency from a, you know, traditional kind of full service search marketing and display type? agency yeah there, there's obviously a difference in strategy um, traditionally a lot of the traditional sorry, a lot of the traditional marketing agencies that I've met or worked with typically create a strategy and dogmatically follow it for the next 12 months regardless of whether or not it's working and so they don't sort of do that sort of that, that, that fail fast and find out what works and if it doesn't work then you move on to something else methodology. Um, so they might just say, well, we're going to do paperclip and we're just going to do paperclip for the next 12 months and that's it. Um, whereas with us, what we do is we write down like a good example is a strategy we we're doing for a client the other day. We wrote over 200 different things that we we're going to do and we've just been implementing them and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. Does it work? Does it lead to a result? Nope. Cool. Move on to the next thing. Um, and, and about finding what works. Interesting. Very, very cool indeed. So yeah, that's 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 brilliant. That's a very good uh, definition of the difference as well. Um, so Jeff, I mean, you mentioned earlier um, on the call about 
you know, you've got this awesome book coming out, the, the Growth Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy. Awesome name as well, of course. Um, so you said the goal of the book is really to debunk, you know, growth hacking being only for tech businesses, which is often what's thought out there. Everyone kind of thinks it's only really for SaaS platforms or for, you know, tech-based kind of businesses. And you want to debunk that. Tell us a little bit, I guess, more about the book and, and that whole, um, you know, reasoning and goal for the book. Sure. So there's two interesting things to talk about there. The first is um, when Mark and Tiger Tiger wrote the original source book, I got in touch with him shortly thereafter and told him that I really liked what he was working on and that I was working on something similar and asked him if he had um, the desire to take the blog post. Well, it's, it's hard to call that a blog post because it was so awesome and, and in-depth, but to, to take the online source book and turn it into a more traditional book. And um, there were two reasons I thought that was a good idea. One is that Mark targeted SaaS companies with the original source book, and I thought that we could expand the reach to start all startup and digital marketers um, who are spending time and money and resources thinking about how to acquire customers digitally. So the first change was... Um, changing the, the, the target or the scope of the book from strictly a SaaS marketer to any startup or digital marketer. And then the second mission we had was to debunk the idea that you need to be a techie or you need to have technical skills to become a growth hacker. And the aha moment for me was just sort of teaching myself online, reading blog posts, trying out different services and, and um, you know, service providers, uh, realizing that it really was something that you didn't necessarily have to be a coder to take advantage of. Um, sure, there was a learning curve, and I sucked at the beginning, and I sucked the second time, but eventually I got the hang of it. And it was that sort of aha moment that I wanted to share with other marketers who either feel that you need to be technical or feel that their skills are decaying and that as the um, marketing world evolves and becomes more technical that their skills are going to be less in demand. So I just wanted to sort of uh, work with Mark to tell the, all the marketers in the world that you don't need to be <clears throat> have, have extreme technical skills to become a growth hacker both in mindset and in tactics. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's super interesting. So what, what I mean on that, what are some of the core skills that you do need for um, growth hacking and, and, you know, to do it well? Well, that's a big question. Um, I'll tell you about sort of the way I went through it. So I started um, getting more into the mindset, reading a lot of case studies and stories about companies that had done it and tried to, done it successfully and tried to see what the commonalities were between them. And I still to this day think the mindset is just as important as the tactics. I mean, the tactics are, are sexy, but sort of the mindset of relating um, marketing to revenue is really important. Um, I took a couple uh, free online courses on HTML and CSS, and, and I'm still not very good at it at all, but at least it, it let me understand sort of the alphabet and how it works. Then I started playing around with sort of some API integrations and, and getting um, two or three different uh, service providers to work together and to achieve a result that would have been more difficult to do manually or without automation. So it was just an iterative, iterative process of trying out different tactics and tools um, that sort of got me more confident. And then once I got more confident, um, allowed me to undertake experiments that previously I would have you know, relied on IT to, to support. Mm, interesting. So, so you still like, I mean, I, I typically thought of, I guess, growth hacking as uh, being a lot to do with being very intelligent with the way you kind of selected uh, 
content pieces, but then not just kind of publishing them, but really trying to find people with the right audiences to promote them and even to guest post about other like content pieces that you've done, but then to also amplify them with paid traffic and things like that, which I'm sure probably is part of growth hacking. But from what you just said there, it sounds like there's, you know, there's definitely a lot, lot more to it. There's connecting different platforms together, getting them working together through APIs. You know, is that kind of the case or? I mean, the, yeah, the I mean, thing is that a growth hacker, like I always like Sean Ellis's original coining of the term where he said a person, a growth hacker is a person is true north as growth. Everything they do, everything they do is scrutinized by potential impact on scalable growth. Um, and for me, it's about that you're using creativity, you're using analytical thinking, you're using metrics to sell your product and basically to get it basically out there in the market. Mm, so it's really that that was that was a great definition there. Do, do you want to tell us what that was again? A true north is all like a, a true growth hacker. They're they're full true north. Everything they do, everything they practice is is in the focus of growth. Was that what it was? Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, it's about like I, like I was just saying, it's about looking at using your creativity to come up with things, whether it's an API that plugs into something else that causes you to grow and then then that's your that's your just your big focus you're focused on growth okay we're just going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors thank you for listening to the authority marketing podcast i'm josh denning and we'll see you on the other side the team at authority factory are world-class at doubling tripling and even 10xing your leads sales and profits by getting your business's internet marketing done right For a short time only, Authority Factory are giving away a free one-on-one strategy session to create a double-your-business blueprint, custom-tailored to your personal business growth objectives. The blueprint is totally obligation-free, and you'll have the opportunity to ask the team to put it in place for you or take it away to implement yourself. To find out if you qualify, go to authorityfactory.net forward slash application. Don't miss it. That's authorityfactory.net forward slash application. Welcome back. You're listening to the Authority Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you want to get your strategy session booked, I recommend you do that now. Head over to authorityfactory.net forward slash application. Now back to the show. Is it is it the case though? Because I think what, what is often thought out there in the market is that growth hacking strategies typically need to be cheap. Is, is that the case or not? Not at all. Well, I think it was born out of startup. I think growth hacking overall was born out of the startup community. And the startup community, uh, for the most part, is born out of bootstrap. So I think a lot of the techniques came um, out of the startup community because of necessity. Uh, but I don't think it's limited to that anymore. I think a lot of big corporations are trying to find out what the startups were doing to be able to compete with them on a, on a more limited budget. Um, but I don't think that that's the, the entire story. Mm, so, so I mean, would something like telemarketing still be considered growth hacking if it is for growth or not really? Not really, in my opinion. Okay. So, so let's try and, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was you, you were just saying earlier in the interview um, there, Mark, about you just put a strategy together for a client where you've got 200 things. Um, could you like quickly kind of fireball like the top, 10 that you think are going to be, you know, big, big winners? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can cover off some. I'm, I'm going to be careful here because I'm actually signed into an NDA with this company. Um, so I need to be a little bit careful about what I reveal. Maybe it doesn't have to be specifically like the company, but just kind of the, the, the medium or, I, I mean, up to you, however you've got to do it, I suppose. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, like with this particular company, we are really focusing on LinkedIn. And in this particular case, which one of the things we're trying out is making sure that the LinkedIn profile actually has a call to action within it. that actually takes the person that views the LinkedIn profile to a landing page. And then at the same time, what we're testing out is a piece of software which causes their LinkedIn profile to visit, to visit the target market profile of the person they're trying to target. And so it can do up to 100 profiles in a day. And so without the client actually having to be the one that actually goes and visits the page. So what we're trying to do is see there, one, we're getting their profile to visit their target market's profile. And two, if they've come back to the person's profile to actually see who was actually looking at their profile, there's actually going to be a call to action with an actual landing page at the end of it. Um, so we're using that as a test to sort of see whether we can actually use that as a way of converting them into an actual user. Is that whereby so that the, the software goes out, visits their profile, they see them as a visitor, they come back, if they connect with them, another like LinkedIn autoresponder will send them a message automatically and say, come and check out this free resource. They don't even have to connect with them. The, the link to the actual landing page will be in the actual top profile itself. And, and will that be only – is it always there or – Yep, yep it'll, be, it'll be always there. So it's basically what we're trying to test out is whether or not can we co sort of co-opt the LinkedIn profile as part of the sales funnel. So and, and there are a lot of those other things that you're kind of rolling out around ways to, to do more of that or are they typically, you know, all other totally different things as well? Um, they're pretty much totally different things. Like, you know, we've been looking at obviously AP testing the website because that's never been, been done before. Um, obviously building landing pages with sales copy, which has never been done before. Um, we've taking a slightly different approach to their email newsletter than they, what they've been typically doing. Um, and what we're trying to do is test an editorial style versus a much more open style that actually trying to convert people into, into customers. Um, so we're going to be setting that out to sort of see, you know, does a much more sales focused piece of copy work a lot better in actually converting people into, into users versus a, what we would call an editorial style. Right. So it sounds like, like a lot of growth hacking is really just very, very good uh, kind of direct response marketing principles kind of blended with technology. Great. Very cool. I'd take, it, I'd take it one step further. I mean, my personal definition of growth hacking has to do with um, a metric that a lot of companies or, or smart companies track, which is called cost per acquisition. Um, yep. or CPA. And the CPA is you, you, you take all the money you spend on marketing and you, and you divide it by the number of customers you have. And obviously you would do this on a per channel basis. You wouldn't do it in aggregate. But just speaking in aggregate, you take all the money you've spent, you divide it by the number of customers you have, and that's your cost per acquisition. And to me, growth hacking is to find marketing channels that lead to a cost per acquisition lower than you've been doing or lower than the industry averages have been. So in your telemarketing case, I actually, um, I actually believe that telemarketing could be a growth hack if it's something that A, the competitors aren't doing, meaning the channel is not very competitive, and B, it delivers leads or, or, um, or, or 
more perfectly revenue at a cost per acquisition that's cheaper than what you've done before and what your competitors are doing. So with that definition, um, you can see how it's really not a one size fits all. Like if you're a startup, we do these 10 growth hacks. If you're in mid stage, we do these 10. It's really a, a deep dive into the data, the analytics, um, the objectives of the company, determining what their objectives are, and then looking for, to use storytelling, creative data and technology to make it happen faster. Mm, but also a bit of a, a competitive audit in terms of looking at what the competitors are doing, look at the industry as a whole, look at you know, where money's being wasted and then look for smarter ways to kind of undercut what they're doing that are going to get more results for less money for a lower cost of acquisition. Yeah. Right. And what, what typically happens is that one company discovers a channel and has a window of opportunity where the channel produces really well. And then as the other um, competitors get hip to that channel, they drive the cost up, they drive the click-through rates down and, and all hell breaks loose from there. So, um, you have a, a small window of opportunity when you find a new channel and you have to sort of double down and take it for all it's worth before other people catch on. At the same time, you have to have the foresight to be looking for a new channel that's going to provide you that window of opportunity, whether it's three months or three years, to have a channel that your customers aren't, um, aren't, aren't taking advantage of. Right, right. So another thing um, I know that uh, I believe that you're quite into, Jeff, is um, you know the whole launch and pre-launch of businesses, products, and everything, and I'm sure, sure you are as well, Mark, but you know, that was something you mentioned you'd like to, to talk about a little bit, Jeff. Um, tell us about um, you know the whole pre-launch and launch sequence and, and how that works. Sure. Well, I've launched a lot of businesses. Um, I've probably been involved in a couple dozen in various capacities in my career. And one of the things I've learned is that marketing doesn't start the day that you determine on your financials that you're going to start selling. It starts long before that because if you haven't built up an audience over time, first of all, it's going to be really hard to do it just on a dime on day one. And secondly, it means that you probably haven't been talking to a lot of customers and talking to customers during the product development and launch period is the number one thing that companies don't do that they should. Um, because involving the customers often and early means that you're building something that's really resonating with them. And if you're just guessing, um, once in a while you'll be right, but most of the time you're going to build something that you think is awesome that not a lot of other people agree. So the, the, the process of pre-launch and generating interest and buzz and collecting email addresses and engaging customers, surveying them, talking to them, interviewing them on the phone is so, so important because it's going to ensure that, you're that the customer's needs and wants are getting integrated into the product at a time where it's malleable and you can still affect it and not at a time where you've already shipped and it's too late and you've lost a lot you've you've wasted a lot of time and money so the pre-launch stage is really really important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um and mark you you kind of, you really like the the business growth stage kind of beyond that uh where you've kind of done the pre-launch you've launched you've got some traction and now you're ready to scale yeah you know, like for me it's it's basically going into that stage where you can start running some of the bigger experiments um, running the A-B testing on the website and finding out, you know, so when you really got like 10,000 people visiting your website a month, if I run this experiment, does this lead to more conversions? Um, does this like, you know, help me convert my, my product better? Uh, it's going out there and, and coming up with that viral, you know, sort of um, sign up form that, that happens to run on your blog that actually is converting people 
into email subscribers that you can then sort of remarket to with good email marketing. Sure. So, so does viral marketing, is, is there ways to actually stimulate viral marketing to, with, with a fairly high degree of predictability? No. Yeah, I mean, my thing with viral is it's, it's re- the, anyone that says to me, like, all right, there's a really good story here. I was at a startup event and I was with a young guy and he was telling me about a startup and he said to me, and I, I said to him, look, you know, how, how, you know, how are you going to sort of grow your company? He said, oh, we're just going to go viral. And I said, what? He said, we're just going to go viral. I said, well, what's your strategy for going viral? He said, we're just going to go viral. He didn't have a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even have a concept. And I just said, the thing about viral is it just happens. Sometimes you just produce a good piece of content or you produce something or you do something that just just goes out there and just does it and it just grows your company. So it's not really predictable. I think you can make assumptions. You can think, if I produce this piece of content or if I, if I do this particular action, there's a good chance that maybe this might go viral. But there's no guarantees about it. That, that's the thing about virality. It just sometimes happens. Um, if you talk I, to about Sorry, I was just going to say, I think what you can do is you can test for it too. Like it's not predictable at the time before it goes viral, but you could start testing some viral loops and find out the ones that have the most promise and then get a little bit more predictability once you've measured what they call your, your, the K, which is the the viral coefficient, how many people each person brings. Once you have some data to support that, it could become a little more predictable. There's a thing you can get to, isn't there, called a, like a certain level of copulation rate where it's if it's one to two, then you know that you're just going to keep growing to an almost level of infinite. So yeah. I hope you enjoyed part one of the interview. And I know I always say this, but I'm telling you now, the next part, part two of this interview series was full of even more value-packed, actionable tips and takeaways than the first part. So please don't forget to tune in tomorrow to get the next part of the interview. Thanks for listening to the Authority Marketing Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Then head over to authorityfactory.net forward slash gift to instantly access the ultimate checklist and authority cheat sheet, which takes you step-by-step through the seven authority activators to complete the transition to authority positioning and sensational profits. Get it at authoritybattery.net forward slash gift.